Yes, it's called a bye week. No, it means they're not playing at all. You don't have to have a heart attack or a nervous condition like you had the last couple of weeks. Oh, hi, it's Pete Pomisano, and welcome to another edition of Off-Road, our LTP's Off-Road. And speaking of our LTP, you know we have no commercials here on Off-Road, and there's a good reason for that, because our LTP is sponsoring the whole thing. So every now and then, we've got to plug something they're doing, and it's with great pleasure that I plug what's coming up on November 4th. And what's coming up on November 4th is the reopening of a show that closed down for all COVID purposes a year and a half ago. And that show is Hand to God. And today we're going to speak to the star of Hand to God, Dan Ertz. And also included in this interview with Dan Ertz is a surprise interview with one of his co-stars, I guess you would call it, a co-star of Dan in the play Hand to God. And I use the term co-star very loosely because this character steals the show on many occasions. But I don't really want to tell you who it is right now. We'll let it be a surprise. But before we start, I really want to remind you that tickets to Hand to God are available right now. It opens on November 4th and closes on December 5th. But don't wait. Get your tickets soon. I am sure this one is going to be a hot ticket in town if it's anything like its previous incarnation, which was a huge success, critically acclaimed. Go to roadlesstraveledproductions.org and get your tickets now. Yes, they're following all the COVID protocols, but isn't everybody these days? Get out there and see a live performance. You won't be sorry, especially if it's hand to God at Road Less Traveled Theater. So without further ado, let me present to you and welcome to Off-Road, Dan Ertz. So so what have you been up to, Dan Ertz? Me? Oh gosh, I've been, uh, I've been actually getting back into theater a little bit recently. Yeah, well, I saw enough. that. Yeah, I, in the Rocky Horror Show at Lancaster Opera House right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, before that, I was doing the touring production of Shakespeare in Love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I think I, uh, I, think I may have seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I did Richard III in that. I played Lady Olivia. Oh, that was really well done. The whole thing was well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't, all the actors did a nice job, but I, I thought it was put together well. I thought it was clever. I thought it was, you know. Absolutely. But really enjoyed doing that show. Yeah. And really. Well, now, where do you work during the, what's your day gig? I work at a small business on Grand Island. It's uh, called Clean Windows and Bug Control. It's two <laughs> companies, sister companies under one roof. I think I talked to you during COVID, and, and you yes. told me about that. And yes. That, yeah, it's just a small business, uh, locally owned. The family lives right on Grand Island. And, uh, yeah, we, we do work all over western New York. We actually uh, clean the windows for the uh, stadium that the Buffalo Bills play in. Do you really? Yeah. That's a big job. Yeah, it's exciting. We, <laughs> we go there every week. Okay, if you say so. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the windows on all of the boxes mm-hmm. and all of the, the press the full stuff. stadium. And... Yep, they, they go there a couple days beforehand to do everything. How many guys are doing this? 50? <laughs> Not quite. It's it's usually a team of about less than six or so. But What? Yeah, we have a, a team there a couple days beforehand, and then we have guys there on the day of the game in case anything needs, like, touching up. That's insane. Yeah, right from a business on Grand Island. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, where, where are you from? You're not from Grand Island. I right? am, oh no, I'm actually from uh, central New York. 
Uh, Central I, New York. Yeah, I grew up in Verona, New York, which is a very small town. Uh, right off exit 33, same place as the Turning Stone Casino, if anyone's ever been there. I lived there my whole life. I grew up, I went to high school there, did my first theater productions in the community there. Yeah. And I, it was from Victoria Buddha, who went to Niagara University. Mm-hmm. Uh, she turned me on to the school. Uh, that's where I applied. That's where I graduated in 2014. And uh, from there, I just uh, uh, knew of the Buffalo Theater community, got, met people involved But, there. I mean, because you had gone to Niagara then, yeah. right? right? I mean, yeah, I mean that's, exactly. you must have somehow made the connection to Niagara first mm-hmm. through her, yes. I, I imagine. Absolutely. And, and then, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I thank her in my bio every time. She's, uh, <laughs> she really taught me what it means to uh, love acting, to find joy in what you do. Yeah. And uh, it's Honestly, it's what led me to wanting to play this part and put in the work I did. For uh, I'm sure I met you at, at, at the, probably at the Niagara Senior Showcase. Mm-hmm, probably. Because I, because I would go almost every year. Doug would invite me, and then I would, you know, sometimes I would say, oh, man, that person's really good, or mm-hmm. eh, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, because everybody's performing, even the people who are just really there for the tech, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then, what was your what was your first pro gig after that? Uh, after that, it was or did it happen while you were in Niagara? Shakespeare in Delaware Park. Actually, I I auditioned there spring semester of my senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Comedy of Errors. Okay, and I played Doctor Pinch in that production. That okay. was t- summer of twenty fourteen. Then I went on a, a brief tour of a children's theater show. Uh, that uh, from uh, National Theater of Children based out of Minneapolis. We drove down to North Carolina, did nine weeks of shows of, uh, what was it called? The Pirates of Energy Conservation. <laughs> uh, or the Pirates of Conservation Cove. Of course it was. It was. Yes, of I, course it was. Yes, and I did that for nine weeks. Uh, after that, I came back to town. I did a show at Lockport Palace Theater. Uh, yeah, a lot of people get started there. Yeah. They, they put a lot of people uh, get mm-hmm. work from them. Absolutely. And and then where does the Kavanoki come along? Because that's I think that uh, might have been the first time I saw you was in the the Tom Dudzik uh, show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was because I was still up here in Lewiston living at the time that I was able to I got the call from uh, the Kavanoki mm-hmm. uh, to get cast in Arrivals and Departures, which led to She Loves Me, which led to King of the Moon, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically where everything. Yeah, that was kept a gr- going. that was a great show. Really. Mm-hmm. Did, did, Great job on your hand. Mm-hmm. So, of all of these, any favorites stick out that that oh, you know, like definitely really... King of the Moon, King absolutely, yes, yeah. so, wonderful cast. That was um, uh, Kevin Craig, Kelly Copps, uh, Adriano Gatto, Steve Vaughn. You're uh, going to leave somebody out. Oh no, uh, you got them all. I got them there. <laughs> I got all of them in there. Kevin was uh, something mm-hmm. in that. Uh, this uh, this city misses Kevin mm-hmm. if he if he's listening, which I'm sure he's not. <laughs> um, but so now let's talk. Let, let's talk about how you got into uh, Hand to God Hand because. To God. Was this is this the first roadless travel show for you? Uh, no, it, I did appropriate in I think right after King of the Moon okay. was up. So it was still very early on. Like I hadn't done anything at Roadless since then. So like mm-hmm. fall of 2015, uh, I got the email uh, in like late October uh, that they were planning on doing it. This was 2018 at mm-hmm. the time. So. Oh, geez. Yeah, a full three years ago. <laughs> wow. Uh, Scott yeah. sent you an email, or was it yes. a general email? It was it was from Scott to me. It was just to take a look at it. He, mm-hmm. I, I don't even think they were decided on doing the show at the time, but yes. they wanted me to come in and read. Uh, when in, it, it was in that period of time that I actually found the voice for Tyrone that I'm still using in the show. I see. <laughs> that I, I came in and auditioned with. Yeah, from there, it, it was supposed to go up that fall. Got delayed a year and a half. 
COVID happened, and then it got delayed another year and a half. Oh, man. What did the audition consist of? Because I'm sure, well, I shouldn't say I'm sure, mm-hmm. you must have had to do some public it, things, right? Yes. Uh, Aside I, from the voice? I did. I actually went and made my own puppet. <laughs> <laughs> I had an old sock and some uh, wire coat hangers that I tore up and kind of fashioned together. I used old shoelaces. I used googly eyes. Uh, just to kind of make this fake one, and then, uh, oh, funny. And, and then uh, Scott was able to lend me one for the the purpose <laughs> of the audition, so I didn't have to use my sock. <laughs> but you would you had practiced at home, yes, w- yes, w- with a puppet. Had, had you had experience with puppetry before? A little bit. I I remember there was one day of puppets in physical theater at Niagara University. <laughs> Other than that, I don't think I had much experience at all with puppets. Yeah, but they're adding more to. It's not just one day of puppet anymore. Right, right. Well, the physical theater is one of my favorite things ever to do in, in college. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love, I, I'm a very good juggler. I've done that on stage at Musical Fair before. I, I love mime. I love puppetry. Uh, I love mask work, commedia, all of that, those things. All the really, physical stuff. Yeah, really get my brain turned on. Yeah, I, I had to learn, um, I played El Gallo three times, mm. and I had to learn juggling, and I was so bad at it. And it was like in the middle of that opening. And it, it, you know, all you could do is when the oranges dropped, you had to, you know, make something up that, oh, I did that on purpose. Exactly. I'm not a terrible juggler, even though. Just kidding. Just kidding. Like, no, you you thought I dropped it. Huh? Shame on you. That's right. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. It, it was, the whole thing was, playing. anyway, there must have been some other people at the audition. Don't name names, but were, mm-hmm. there were other people there, I assume, yes, right? There was, this uh, is not a one-on-one situation. He Correct. I'm was, sure Scott sent out emails to half a dozen mm-hmm. people and got two or three responses. Yeah, there was one other gentleman there and a, a couple girls reading for uh, the role of Jessica. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it wasn't that many people. I'm pretty sure it was just me and the one other guy. Um, and then I, I went in. We, we had a couple scenes to do. One of them was uh, the, the scene in the bedroom when Tyrone like gets really evil. The other was the who's on first scene, which was... <laughs> Very difficult to prepare in that short span of time. Oh yeah, it's a lot of a lot of repeated words. Yes, um, but yeah, I went into the audition. I did the voice. Uh, they, um, I, Scott gave direction. He was very insightful, and uh, yeah, I think it was a couple days later that I got the call that they wanted me for the role. Very cool. Now let me ask you this: Did you did you have because Tyrone has uh, sticks operating mm-hmm. his hands? Was that initially part of your training, or was that a new thing, a new skill you had to learn? Because that never even, this is going to really age me, but but I saw the, I was telling Adam, you know, I saw the first Muppet appearance on Ed Sullivan a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. and, and it was just two little things, I won't even bother getting into it now, but they sort of created that whole concept of having the sticks holding the arms and making the, the hands do things so they really mm-hmm. look alive. Did you have right. practice with that, or did you have to learn it? Almost sh- none, really. I, I I was always very familiar with the idea of uh, stick puppets and all that kind of stuff, just mm-hmm. from you know growing up in the mid-2000s and seeing TV and all that. Um, but... No, I'd never operated uh, the puppets until I actually got the the ones from Adam uh, to practice with. Right, and so when Adam comes in and he brings in this this puppet, mm-hmm. did you go, "Oh, Christ, <laughs> the it, sticks for hand. now"? I'm got to learn how to do the it sticks. Was, it was really amazing. I went into the um, I actually went to Adam's house to pick up the puppet at first mm-hmm. to pick up uh, Good Tyrone, the the version before yes, he turns yes. into the devil. And uh, apparently, uh, this is one of my favorite stories to tell about this show. During the first read-through, I hadn't gotten any of the puppets yet, but it was just me and the voice. Uh-huh. And Adam was there, and he listened to the voice I was doing. He already had this initial puppet. He modeled the evil puppet 
after what I was doing with the voice. Oh, and that he character, is just brilliant. He's so clever. He really is. It just came to life from that point. I remember seeing the photos on Facebook, and I was like, that's it. That is absolutely <laughs> the, the monster that I wanted to when see. When he heard the voice, he said to himself, this is way, the way I envision right. Tyrone's evolution, shall we, shall we exactly. say. Exactly. I don't want to give away too much about the show, no. but I think everybody pretty much knows that this, this hand puppet uh, starts out being pretty benign, and the next thing you know, He's not so uh, right. He's he's uh, evil. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about the initial rehearsal process? Because there must well, I shouldn't even say that. I don't even know. But were there like separate rehearsals where Adam was just it was just you and Adam doing puppet things, or did everybody sit around and and how did it work? It was a lot of early work on my own, uh, just kind of bouncing ideas off of Adam in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in the between time when I had initially or. When we were supposed to do Hand of God the first time and when it was postponed for that year and a half. Okay. So during a lot of that time, I was practicing with the puppet for basically a full year. Uh, so I did get a lot of extra experience with that early on. But, but you did open. I mean, the show did open. Did you get any full shows in before um, COVID closed for, down? For this previous run, yes, we did uh, six performances. Uh, the, the rehearsal process, we were up in, in the space above 710 Main mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the dead of winter. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple uh, uh, great one-on-one sessions when Adam would come in. He would see kind of what we were doing at the time. He gave a lot of great tips to me and to no- uh, Mora, who was in the show at the time, unfortunately won't be joining us again. Uh, but he was always incredibly insightful. There was one scene in particular when it was a confrontation between the puppet and Timmy, uh, the bully in the yes. play, that he just really kind of came alive and like got into it and he he, he said he, he could just see the eyes come alive on the puppet <laughs> and so that's how I knew like okay I think I've got something good here it's, it's so funny to me because whenever whenever people have a puppet on stage inevitably somebody is talking they're talk they look at the puppet mm. they talk to the puppet there's never because you're not doing a ventriloquist act on stage no, your lips are moving but you're just drawn to mm. to looking at the puppet because the show is very very funny as well so mm. there are many moments there had to been many moments during rehearsal where you Pulled something out of your butt, and the and it just became uh, uh, mm-hmm. quite an interruption to the to the rehearsal because the whole cast has to know what what's going to happen. Exactly, it's it's a it's a raucous show. There's there's <laughs> um, incredible jokes, wild violence, like it's it's a very just all over the place show. A lot it goes to a lot of extreme places, but it it's always comes back to a very funny, very heartfelt place, and. It, and the cast is absolutely having a ball. I, I can imagine it, it. Well, as I as I told you on the way in here, I, I had a great conversation with Rob Askins, mm-hmm. which I'm gonna which is gonna play in a couple of weeks after this one. Mm-hmm. And he just is the funniest guy, but he's so insightful. He had so many ideas about where this whole concept came from because, of course, his mother mm-hmm. had a puppet ministry. Of her own, right? And he actually did some preaching at one time, but he also did the puppet thing. Of course, the play com- came out of a whole workshop of things with many other people. But mm-hmm. the, the, where it came from in his own personal life, I, I just found, I just found fascinating. Mm-hmm. But so, listen, I have some comments from Adam yeah. that I want to play. They're from an interview I did with him a while back. This was long beforehand to God, but we were talking about puppets, and I just found some things he said said 
kind of interesting, and I'm going to play them for you. If, if you have something, a comment about them, they're only like 40 seconds, 30, 40 seconds long. Mm. If you have a comment, if, if you can connect it in some way to the play, great. If not, I'll just edit it right out. Amazing. So let me play the first one here. One thing about a show like this is the puppet design of it needs to look homemade, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think the easy answer to a lot of people is, let's just make it (laughs) ourselves. It's not supposed to look good. And you know what? That type of technique might work if it's a student show or if it's a show where that you only do the performance for like one weekend. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, a lot of times if it's something that's very just homemade like that, it's not going to, is it going to last for a four week run? Not to mention another four to six weeks of rehearsal. So they're sewed very well, but I did some fake uh, stitching on top of it that doesn't look as nice okay. and on the inside it's completely lined and it's meant to last a long time because if it was just the sock going in and out I mean that that knit fabric is so is so wide it could it could get a little bit of a tear that stretches out easier and faster so having it lined helps prevent those types of things that is just his comment about about designing the puppet and, and making the puppet mm-hmm. and how to how to make it so How'd you react to that? Uh, I absolutely hear everything he says. I believe he he gave the speech to me uh, as well. (laughs) These puppets are incredibly well made. They are made by a a craftsman. Like these are some of my favorite props I've ever used in any show Mm -hmm. ever. Uh, yes, and they're just so expressive, but they are so durable. Like they have to, they have to go through fights on stage. I have to like beat multiple puppets up during the course of the play, <laughs> and they do have to, they have to last for a four week run. <laughs> okay, so here's something else about uh, the design of it. Well, again, I like to always go back to the original source material, which, again, this pup, this design that I did doesn't look like that one. But I like to look at the original one to kind of get the essence of what they were going for. And then looking at that type of a character, I see, okay, yes, it does look very kind of homemade, like the kid made it himself, which is that's what the story calls for. But then I was thinking of, like, okay, well, if it was me, how would I do it? So... So I believe the original one was made out of fabric and craft supplies, right? But I was thinking, okay, what if this guy just used stuff that was probably in his bedroom? Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of gave me the inspiration to just use uh, socks. Okay, so, and, and I think about, he said, how would I do it? And I'm thinking to myself, well, well, but you're a genius expert at this. <laughs> so somehow he's got to make the puppet look like it was done by a kid. Uh, how old are you supposed to be in the show? I'm uh, 15 to 17. Yeah. So so he's got to be look like he's made. it's made by a kid. Right. And yet, it, 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 well, it can't look too makeshift and homemade. It, it, so here's a guy who's a, a brilliant puppet designer trying to make it look like it's not a brilliant puppet design. Exactly. Like that, I I don't I don't understand how he does it. Like he everything on those puppets is socks. It's incredible just to to see the thing in your hand. <laughs> everything is socks. And it's, it's such a question in the play. Like how how did he make that puppet? Like, oh, he really? Because he, he, well, we don't, again, we'll give too much away. But it's one of those deals where you go, well, that kid is a genius, right? <laughs> okay, here's some comments about uh, actors. But another thing is, one thing I've noticed in doing a lot of uh, puppetry with local theaters like Musical Fair, and I've done a lot with the Theater of Youth as well, is that a lot of actors tend to just make natural uh puppeteers because they just they know character they know mm-hmm. gesture but you're doing that now instead of using your whole body as the tool you're just using your hand and just remembering that it's it's it, it is theater so uh, what do you think about that comment that it's it, you know actors are natural 
I shouldn't say natural puppeteers, but, you know, have a natural instinct once you get that puppet on your hand. Mm -hmm. It does feel like an instinct. It's one of my favorite scene partners I've ever had. He's very consistent. (laughs) uh, He doesn't forget his lines ever. And And doesn't uh, get mad when I yell at him. Okay. Yeah, I've had that problem with actors as well. It really does feel like... um, like having a character, but just being able to visualize it from the third person, seeing, you know, what it looks like when their face is turned to this way versus mm-hmm. when their arm is moving here. Mm-hmm. You get such a, a more three-dimensional view uh, on top of all of the emotional and mental stuff that you're trying to portray through the voice. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of a separation of uh, parts, but then you can monitor each individually kind of tweak, you know, the physical stuff. So you, you, and you said you enjoy uh, the physical acting, all sorts of physical things in, in, uh, in acting classes. So this is like you are watching yourself, which, are, which <laughs> the reason why everybody needs a director is because you can't mm-hmm. watch yourself. You Correct. can't, yeah. yeah. So, but now you are sort of watching yourself perform. You're seeing it and you are mm-hmm. making adjustments as if you are the actor and the director of the puppet. Right, right. It's, uh, and it's, <laughs> and it, it all feels like one part, like but the conversations between Jason and Tyrone can read like a monologue, mm-hmm. but they're, they're arguing different positions inside his own head. Yes. Which... It's, it's so cool to physicalize that, to see that in a conversation as an actor going through all of the emotions that are being talked about among two uh, characters. Unbelievable. Okay, here's one about uh, his rehearsal philosophy. I was involved in a couple of rehearsals, but uh, but even I have a philosophy with that, too, because I am brought in as the expert, quote unquote, for that. <laughs> and uh, but here's the thing. Like, again, I think it's me as a teacher as well is knowing, you know, to also trust their instincts as well, because okay. I could I could essentially micromanage and say, OK, don't do this little thing. Don't do that little thing. But then one thing I don't want them to do is to be overthinking it to a point to where they're like afraid to make a mistake mm-hmm. or something like that, because at the end of the day, especially in a live theater performance, whereas a lot of what I do is film stuff for video, and I can just do another take. You can't do that in this case. So... Uh, I have a concept I learned from doing magic called practicing cold, you know, so so rather than sitting there for hours and doing it, you you put it down, you pick it up, do a couple lines, put it down, go do something else, mm-hmm. go grab it again, tr- try to get try you get one chance every time. Mm-hmm. And practicing like that is a great way to practice for puppetry, especially if you're going to be doing it with theater. The way I see it is he's trying to give you or any actor some latitude. Mm-hmm. And not impose his will on you, and to allow you to express yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? Right. Yeah. There's an absolute freedom. Like um, just having the puppet out and with you at all times means it's got to be alive at all times. You've <laughs> got to figure out how it exists just by itself for long stretches of time when no one's paying attention to it, really. <laughs> so you got to figure out how does it move? How would it like breathe or just kind of scoff at things? You know. Oh, that's wild. Because I, of course. You know, when, when you're teaching young kids about acting, you say, listen, somebody in the audience is looking at you at all times. Mm-hmm. You can never fall out of character. And now you're telling me the same is true of the puppet. Yeah. There's somebody is looking at that puppet, even though there's a conversation between mom and whatever going on. Right. So now you're doing your performance as the young man and the and the puppet has to also Right. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and the that, puppet has its own ideas about what's being said. The puppet hears things. The puppet reacts to things. It catches things in conversation that other characters don't. Oh, man, that sounds like a blast. <laughs> I'm sure at the, rehe- the initial rehearsal table, because now you, the whole cast is there plus the puppet, it has to be unnerving 
to have the puppet doing this and moving around and, and sitting next to, well, at the time, Mora, perhaps, and, and then get, get him away from get him away from me. Did that ever go on? The, the puppet can be intimidating, yes. Can be, and creepy as, as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a creepy part. It can, he can be very, uh, very gross, very nasty. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's more than anything else, it's just, uh, it's funny to look at just when, when it really comes to life, when it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, even just the little things. So this, this last one is just, uh, again, I don't want to give too much away about the show, but maybe you can comment on it anyway, uh, because I think it does have a connection. But especially for kids, they can be very shy. And sometimes, you know, because I think sometimes they're afraid to put themselves out there. Us. But when you're doing a puppet, it's, it's not you or you don't feel like it's you. It's, it's different when you get out there and somebody gets, you know, you're playing a different person. Exactly. It's not you. It's another person. Yeah. So this is mm-hmm. a kid who needs to express himself and... Right. Am I, I am I giving away too much? I, oh, yeah, I, it's, uh, he feels like he, there's a voice inside him. He wants to say things but he doesn't feel like he has the power to say them himself. Mm-hmm. So he needs this entity that has inherently more power, more uh, intimidation, will get people to listen to it mm-hmm. versus trying to get people to listen to him. So subconsciously, he is has created this alternate mouthpiece for himself, not knowing that perhaps... It's like kids playing with a Ouija board. Oh, this will be fun. This will be fun until the demons come knocking on your door. Until the supernatural introduces itself. (laughs) Exactly. All right. uh, So tell me, I don't want to dwell on this, but the sudden closing. I was also in a show. Mm -hmm. Um, You were lucky enough that this show is coming back. Yes. Uh, Mine, we played for one weekend, and so far I've heard nothing that it's coming back. But... Uh, tell me about the moment or the time when you were told, okay, uh, we're closing down for a week, and then it became two weeks, and then it became a year and a half. Yeah, it was a strange time. I think it was even before we opened that I myself had the realization in my head. I think we were all, we were in the theater, we were in tech, and I had the thought pop into my mind, like, we might not get all the way through the show. Hmm. which was really strange to think about even before it opened, after everything that had already happened. Mm-hmm. But the the show, thankfully, we got through all of opening weekend. It was incredible. The audiences were wonderful. Uh, the response was amazing. Uh, we were in constant communication with the theater over the course of that week. Like, will it, won't it? This was at the point. Other theaters were already, like, tentatively shutting down, so the, the question, it, it was a question every day that mm-hmm. everyone had. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second weekend came, we got through the Thursday performance, we got through the Friday performance, and then at about middle of the day on Saturday, we had a night performance, we got the final email saying that the rest of the run had been canceled. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. My, mine was similar. I won't bore you with it, but uh, we were in between shows mm. that first week. Uh, for us, it was a, it oh, was a your matinee second, and an evening. It was but your second weekend. Week. It was our first. Mm-hmm. We were in between shows and something happened and uh, someone heard something. Uh, someone knew someone who had just come down with a positive uh, diagnosis. And the next thing you know, there's a meeting after our little lunch break, our dinner break. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do the show that night. Wow. And it was heartbreaking and heartbreaking to know that it hasn't come back. Mm-hmm. So how, and Scott, looking back now, Scott was prescient because he was, 
He shut down the year. Mm-hmm. And people were thinking, why are you doing this? is a little bit premature, isn't it? And he shut down the year, and it turned out, I mean, we're still suffering with this thing. Right. And then to be able to bring back Hand to God as mm-hmm. the first show 18 months roughly later. Right. It's it's an incredible feeling. Just uh, we, we just did our first read of our rehearsal period last mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. So oh. we are just at the beginning of uh, the rehearsal process to bring it back. And just having everyone in that room again, going through the words again, it felt like it was coming back to life, honestly. <laughs> I was having... Going home. They say you can't go home again, but eh, sometimes you can. Yeah, just being in this space. We did the read-through in the theater mm-hmm. with the people. And it, it really did give me like those opening night flashbacks. Right, right. But, yeah. How do you... Now, you do have one new cast member, but yes. how do you imagine that... How do you imagine that rehearsals will be different this time? I'm sure that she... We'll need more time than others, however. Mm-hmm. Yep, it, we're, the character is different now. It's a different actress. that We we talked about it a little bit last night, but we're going to be exploring it through the whole rehearsal process. It's going to be a different track. It'll be a different character. Do, do you expect that the, that the rehearsal will take just as much time? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's a very complicated show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the five actors do a lot all throughout the entire piece, not just me. And it, it is a, it's just a circus up there. It's there's all sorts of things going on, but it's so much fun. Last time the rehearsal process was an absolute pleasure with all of these people: Jen Stafford, John Cruiser, Henry Farlio, and now this time Sabrina Kawadi. Previously, Maura Casiglia. Uh, but it's just such a fun text to do. It's so much fun to have these jokes and to have people laugh in the room with you and to to make funny puppet jokes and gags and bits. It feels like being a kid. Just being able to play again with people in the same room. Now, did you say in the 18 months you were off that you've actually sort of come up with more ideas and more? Did you bring some new stuff to the table last night, or do you intend to? I do have more uh, more physical ideas, really. <laughs> I, I kind of want to get more into the fights between the puppet and me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> because okay. last time I was really focused on uh, character, trying to just keep the technical aspects of the puppet uh, in line realistic. Uh, but this time I, I want to just go further. I want it to be bigger. I want uh, the puppet to do more physical interactions and mm-hmm. I want to to really just get down and dirty with it. Like, yeah. You, uh, you know, the it's inevitable that when you're doing a show and you, no matter how prepared you feel for that first opening weekend, there are things that happened around the second and third and sometimes even fourth week that you just say, oh, man, I wish I had gotten that sooner. I wish we had thought of this sooner, or I wish I hadn't done that, because now I'm seeing, do you expect that, well, with a new cast member, maybe it's not possible, but I, but I think it is. Do you expect that this show will get off the ground running a little bit ahead of itself, a little bit more prepared, if there's such a thing? I do think so. I think the characters are complicated, and the cast members have a lot better uh, uh, wrap around uh, what makes all these characters tick because mm-hmm. they are they are all very complicated people, um, but yeah, and even having a new cast member there, it's still going to be a, just we have the whole set ready for us to mm-hmm. play on right now, and mm. it's everything is painted and constructed and ready to go. We're all super excited to be back here and ready to explore and find new ways to look at a a play from a year and a half ago. So, what are you most looking forward to in this run? The laughs. Yeah. The jokes. Yeah. I've missed having making funny jokes with people. <laughs> it's it's I'm a comedian and an actor at heart, like equally. Like I, I love making people laugh. I loved the moments 
that resonate with me the most from last time was after the the lights come up, I see the audience, we're standing there taking pictures, and I just hear people talking about their favorite bits from the show again and laughing again <laughs> and then the other one brings in their favorite bit and they all laugh again yeah. and it's just it, it just builds upon itself yes. and it just is joy rising up that's that's what makes it feel like it's worth it now is, is there anything that you hope goes differently i know that's a tough question but i mean i mean presumably everything went really well the first time from, mm -hmm. from what I hear. So I haven't even seen it because I was in a show when you were doing it. Mm -hmm. So I'll be there opening night for sure. Yeah. But I mean, is, <laughs> I'm sure you're hoping that a lot of things go the same. Is there anything that you're hoping is a little different? I think there's always more to explore with character relationships. Like I, I know a lot of my last process was focused on the puppetry aspect of it. But there's there's so much more to discover between Jason and his mom, Jason and Jessica, and uh, the the pastor and the mom. Mm -hmm. Like the, all these relationships can always go further and further and be explored in different ways and, and manifest themselves. So there's always more to discover, is what you're absolutely what you're basically saying. Yeah. And yeah, I would love. I just I'm excited to to get back there with with people again to to show them that the puppet still comes alive when even in the smallest moments that's that's when it really gets to people when they're not expecting the puppet to be alive and yes. it just looks at you that is that's that, that's the revelation to me in this whole interview i cuz because of course that's exactly right an actor has to be on stage all at every moment knowing that someone might be looking at him and no matter what's happening on that stage somebody in that audience might be looking at that puppet and if he's just dangling limp there Right. You can't do that. You have to be in character every second, right? So anyway, Dan, uh, thanks so much for being here. I wish you the greatest of success. Have a great run. But clearly the arrival of the creepy music indicates that something creepy is about to happen. Thanks. Unfortunately, I, I have to talk to Tyrone now, so if you oh, don't mind, I, you said you have to... Yes, uh, I'm legally not allowed to be in the same room except during rehearsals. So. Yes, I understand, so... We'll talk to you again soon, but in the meantime, let's get Tyrone in here. So I have to tell you that I did this interview live at the theater in one of the dressing rooms. And the way it works there is they have the lights on a sort of a motion detector thing, thing that turns them on if somebody walks into the room. But if you're into the room a while and you don't move, and you're just sitting there talking, all of a sudden, the lights black out. And of course, the door is closed because I'm trying to get the sound as professional as possible. But so now you're in the room and the lights go out. And under ordinary circumstances, eh, it's not a big deal. It happened when I was talking to Dan and it was just fine. After we just continued the conversation, I got up, turned the lights back on, I edited all of that out. But now I'm in there talking to Tyrone, a puppet who is, on his best days, demonic. And all of a sudden, the lights go out, and all I have is the darkness between me and Tyrone the puppet. And let me tell you, it was eerie. Here's Tyrone in an exclusive interview with me. 
So listen, uh, Tyrone. Uh, yes. It's well. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I think it's a pleasure to be here, Peter. Oh boy. Well, listen. I, I, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about, and I don't want you to give away too much of the show. Oh, fine. But I, I do need to ask you a few questions because I'm a little confused about some things, like. And I've read Absolutely. all... Absolutely. You, you are free to ask me any questions. I will tell you if I am allowed to answer them or not. Okay. I appreciate your being so flexible. Absolutely. Okay. So here's my first question, because, you know, I've heard a lot of things. I haven't seen the show yet, but I've heard a lot of things about you, and it's, you're kind of a mysterious character. So mm. what what exactly... Are you? I mean, you're you're like a sock puppet, right? Well, I am currently inhabiting a sock puppet. Tyrone, as as an entity, uh, he is uh, something much bigger than just a single sock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I explore the universe. I roam uh, all of time and space. Really. I see. I I and I find those who are in need of my uh, personal perspective. Uh. Some people who need your assistance is what you're telling me? Of course. Everyone needs a, a helping hand from a, a charming, charismatic... Uh, spirit? Spirit. Yes, that's a great word for it. Just a, a, a an energy. Well, you know, there are good spirits and there are bad spirits. Oh, yes, I'm a bad spirit. I'm a very bad spirit. <laughs> well, at least you're honest about it. I Thank guess. you. Yes. So, you, you know, you understand that you're supposed to be part of like a puppet ministry here. I mean, this is supposed to be kind of holiness to you. Oh, oh I'm not affiliated with any type of religious offering. Uh, not at all. Huh? No, not at all. I, I, I don't believe I'm on bad terms with most gods. I see. And, and would you say that on the other hand, you're sort of to the opposite end of the spectrum? Oh, absolutely. I see. Okay. Well, uh, tell me, I've heard that you have a lot of nasty things to say and do in this play, and, and some people might be shocked. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly, some of the things are fun, but <laughs> how do you how do you explain that misbehavior of yours? Hey, hey. What a lot of people consider nastiness, I consider uh, a form of honesty. I, I say what people need to hear. Mm. I describe things the way I, I see them. Mm. You know? So you're saying things that other people wish they could say? Yes. I am the voice that people need to speak with, uh, uh, not necessarily their own voice. Oh, so you're there sort of as, a, as someone to bounce ideas off of. People yes. bounce ideas off of you, and then you reflect back, you give some feedback in a way. Of course, I offer, I offer insight, I mostly see. to people who are talking to themselves and don't have anyone to speak with. Mm. And speaking of the other people surrounding you, do you have a, a favorite person in this play? Oh, in the play? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I am a huge Jen Stafford fan. A uh, huge Jen Stafford? Well, absolutely. you know, you're not alone. A her, lot of people... Her work are... in Toxic Avenger was inspiring to me. <laughs> I see. I, I didn't even want to know why that was inspiring to you, but I, I, I have to ask you this. Aren't you somehow often upset by the fact that you've got, like, a, a person's hand up your backside the whole time. Doesn't that affect you in, or does that affect you in oh. some negative way? It's kind of like wearing underwear. I try not to think about it. <laughs> I kind of imagine myself as like the genie from Aladdin where I'm just smoke from the waist down. I see. I see. So did, did you don't have even notice that not any usually. more than a person notices oh, their own. 
underwear. Although, you know, there is the time when the underwear gets, you know. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. It's the worst. I understand. So, but it's kind of annoying, isn't it, to be beholding to the, you you can't move about freely on your own. Basically, you're. It is constricting, yes. It's it's very uh, confining to be uh, uh, within arm's reach of someone you really don't like at all times. Oh, is, is there, there's, there, there's that sort of conflict between you and yes. your... They, well, they, they don't want to see things the right way, I which see. is my way. I see. What would you call the person? He's not like your... I mean, he's sort of uh, like your master he's because he's, like he's controlling... Oh, you just call him... <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an affiliate. An affiliate? Yeah. Okay, just a co-worker. Well, okay. And if you could... If you could move about more freely, I assume you wouldn't just stay at this one location with oh, this no. one person. Do, do you have greater aspirations of the things that you would do, things you would move on to? Disney World. <laughs> just, I want to ride the Tower of Terror. I hear it's great. I see. Disney. And then I want to go to New York City and find those Muppets. I see. Yeah. The, the Muppets, uh, uh, do they... We break? got unfinished business. Oh, I was afraid of that. Yeah. Okay. Me and Gonzo. <laughs> You didn't get that nose from nowhere. I see. Okay. Well, uh, listen. And uh, what about New York Times Square? There's a lot of uh, there's oh. a lot of human-sized Muppets walking around there. Like there's a human-sized. I should inhabit one of those. I'm sure that would work very well for you. You'd probably make a couple extra bucks. I'd make so much money in tips. <laughs> do, do you have any other kind of hobbies or activities that you like to take part in? Oh, I read a lot of Stephen King. You do. Uh, Junji Ito. Mm. You know him. He, he does manga. Horror stuff I, I'm not familiar with him, but these these are horror oh, yes. stories, yes, yes. stories of terror. Mm-hmm. These are things that inspire you. These are things that you in, enjoy reading because they fill your soul with what? They fill me with rapture. Rapture. They fill me with with a divine energy. <laughs> Just seeing terror and pain and vomiting. Oh dear. Well, listen, I I, I don't want to keep you too long because frankly. We're almost literally in the dark here. Correct. And so I just want to ask you one final question. What are you, because I asked Dan this, and what, what are you most excited about in coming back and doing this play again and, and being out there in, in front of an audience? I'm excited to see the people again. Yes. I'm excited for the audience to come back out. I'm excited to just hang out with people in a big room again, even if they're masked or whatever, you know. And you understand that some people actually gasp at things that you say. Oh, God, yeah, I'm going for gasps. You're going for I love gasps. it. I love to feel that, that connection with the audience. I see. And, and where do you go in off hours? Sleep. Sleep, okay. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Sleep 18 hours a day. <sighs> well, listen, Tyrone, it's, it's been... It's been sort of a pleasure. Uh, it's, it's been uh, it's been sort of a pleasure here too. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to seeing you on opening night, November fourth. Oh, I can't wait! To and see you. to God, I'm sure you'll be on your best behavior. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, okay, so we weren't completely in the dark because the computer was on and the computer was facing me, so my face was illuminated, but I could see nothing. I could see nothing in front of me. It was pitch black, and yet I have this light illuminating me, so Tyrone uh, could see everything. Anyway, get your tickets to Hand to God. Go to roadlesstraveledproductions.org and get your tickets. It opens November 4th and runs through December 5th. And the next time you hear me, I will have an interview with the playwright 
of hand to God. You think we had a lot of fun with this interview? Wait till you hear my interview with Rob Askins. What a great time I had interviewing Mr. Askins, and you will have a good time listening to it as well. So that's in a couple of weeks. By that time, you'll all have seen Hand to God, and you'll have a greater appreciation of what Robert Askins has to say right here on Off-Road with me, Pete Pomisano. Pete Pomisano.